Romeo must die. Romeo was a proud canine, like all well-bred dogs, because of their insular rearing. It showed in the way he walked, strutted, rock-jumped, and barked. He was the apple of his master's eyes, darling to all those who knew him. His cooting amusingly and his joyful barking was adorable. Romeo had ruled the household for last one year, since his arrival. He was neither completely a kennel dog, nor a house dog, with good 40 kilograms to which were added the haughtiness that comes from good living and universal love, came the swaggering lol. In fact, he was accepted as one of the core members of the family from the moment he entered the household. He was brought for Aryan when Romeo was barely 25 days old. Earlier, this household was quite discordant and fractious. It seemed the residents were living in separate islands with minimal communication. Aryan's father, Vinod, was generally overworked and used to return from office late, quite frizzled. He used to grumble and mutter a lot, which mostly fell on the ears of others living in the house and gradually deafened over time. All his job-related stress and insecurities were hurled on the hapless family. As a result, Aryan's mother, Anjali, became discomposed and apathetic. She was accustomed to early dinners in solitude just to avoid bickering on the dining table. Vinod spent his evenings after dinner mostly in front of the TV, eyes wide open but with a bleary mind, not even caring for the content at times. He would sit there trying to bridge the time between dinner and bed. Then he would manage to drag himself off the sofa to slump on the bed and snore off before his head hit the pillow. This was his daily routine. Mornings generally started with fracas from the kitchen. Anjali, admonishing their housemaid Rani on a pity shoe, much to the anguish of late sleepers. This chilling led to the petulant avatar of Rani's surface, making her more vulnerable to mistakes and lapses. It only took a few days for Rani to understand that this rebuking is a daily affair, more out of habit than intention, and that these taunts and threats were as hollow as they sounded. So she gradually learned the tedious art of ignoring the cribbing. After getting her dose, Rani used to carry on with her course, muttering to herself. She was human after all. Aryan, meanwhile, would sneak out of bed and get busy in getting ready, all by himself, for his school, leaving with his packed lunch kept on the kitchen counter. In his sheer edginess. Though he was a bright kid, he was chronically precarious to the core, quite unlike children of his age, yet cheerful and careless. And to Romeo's dismay, there was one more family member, Mrs. Rekha Sharma, their next-door neighbour. She was as good as a family member, or perhaps more, as appeared to Vinod or Aryan, if this could be gauged by the number of hours one spent in this household. She was very fond of Anjali and could be seen here as soon as she found Vinod had left for office. Her protracted visits were a matter of family squabbles and neither Vinod nor Aryan liked her presence much. Anjali, too, didn't yarn for her visits or savour her presence. Out of sheer sense of obligatory sympathy, she hosted Rekha and thereby spent a good part of her afternoons with her neighbour. Mostly, they drank tea together, cup after cup, and talked. Their roles were well cut out. Lokashi's Rekha did the talking and Anjali mostly listened. On her part, Rekha came 
mostly to pour her heart out and vent her mental conflicts, neither to drink tea together nor shumus. Her only purpose for these visits was to be heard without interruption and judgment, which Anjali did efficiently. In fact, unknown to herself, Rekha was getting unsolicited counselling from Anjali. Rekha had a troubled married life, bringing her to the level of a psychological breakdown. In her times of despair, Rekha didn't have anybody around to look forward to talk to. Being an intelligent and academically brilliant student in her college days, she was married to a senior office executive. Everything went fine for the initial few years. But then, her husband started rising in the corporate world and plummeting in his family commitments. This perhaps and her search for self-identity caused her to have dreary times which gradually increased in frequency, duration and intensity. So much so that she had to consult a psychiatrist and on his recommendation was put on therapy. But those counselling sessions didn't align with her as she found them to be very costly for such impersonal and banal encounters. One fine day she discovered while talking to Mrs. Suri by virtue of her non-discretionary listening that she is a good shoulder to cry on. And so she started frequenting their house. For her, Anjali seemed to be the only mooring holding her from getting adrift by her tumultuous mind. She had divulged jestingly to Anjali much to letters dread. And if she moved out of town, as were the chances, then when Vinod got his transfer order, which later stood cancelled somehow, she would accompany Anjali and live with her. Coming back to Romeo. When he came to this house, he was accepted and loved the most by Aryan. It was a godsend, much-needed companion for him, both in the house and outdoors. He couldn't understand why they didn't allow dogs to accompany him to school. Romeo didn't know how to read books. Otherwise, he himself would have refused to go to school. Such was the utterance and affection that in a matter of a few days, Romeo was allowed to occasionally sleep in Aryan's bed and eat from his plate. Romeo was gifted to them by Vinod's brother, an avid hobbyist and dog breeder. At his behest, Romeo was introduced into this household. In the initial few days, he appeared to be an additional string of course for Vinod and Rekha, for which they thought they were already too busy and pressed. Once when Aryan was away for a school trip, his father had to walk Romeo out for his needs. Little Romeo used all his charms to entice him. From wagging tail, to sitting in between his legs, to nuzzling in between his knees, he lured Vinod into stroking him lovingly. He did all the adorable and cute tricks to impress Vinod and finally got his attention. And to Vinod's surprise, it didn't take long before Romeo had made a deep ingress in his heart. He relished the time spent with Romeo at home and mostly outdoors, where he would talk to him about his office and work. Romeo would listen to him very intently, with his head tilted, eyes half drooped, and giving his paw to him for Vinod's approval. It seemed he had learned to reciprocate Vinod's emotions, just by the pitch of his voice. This had a very soothing effect on Vinod's frayed and short-tempered demeanor. He made it a point to reach home early and go for long walks with Romeo. To his genuine amazement, he got the unfathomed love of Romeo. With a little of his attention, he loved the way Romeo went crazy when he reached home from his office and leaned on him with tongue lolling out, mouth wide open and wagging his tail. A dog is indeed a man's best friend. He realized that soon he enjoyed his evenings at home like never before. As a result of his newfound contentment, things started to get better at home. 
His wife also started feeling the change, and soon they were family again. Inwardly, they all thanked the little Romeo, though they seldom acknowledged this openly. Romeo, as long as he was able to see all of them together and hear them laugh together on his silly tricks, loved it. They all started having dinners together, Romeo being the center of attraction, picking up from Aryan's play. Romeo was loved and adored by all. At least, this was what Romeo thought. Dani, the maid, had a son of two years old, whom she at times brought along to her work. Before Romeo, the boy used to get whatever little love was in the household. He was picked up, kissed and offered all kinds of biscuits and chocolates. Rani took delight in this. After Romeo, things started to change for them. Romeo gradually started getting the larger share of those chocolates, cookies and love. To Rani's detest, she developed an antipathy towards him and soon it grew into hatred. She wished to see the dog disappear. She daydreamed various ways to get rid of him. Her mind toyed with queer ideas like walking him down to unknown places and desert him there or drowning him in the bathtub and even about poisoning him. This hatred that started as a slight strange pigment soon grew to be a firm desire to get rid of the dog. Romeo did not like her either, as he was suspicious of her. Dogs have instincts, deep, vague and unexplainable instincts. He avoided being fed by her. As such, she liked the determination. Romeo felt her wild intentions, hatred can make one much wild, and it showed on her face. She ill-treated him, despite Romeo's frantic yet vain efforts to charm Rani with his mozo. Anjali was not unaware of this changed attitude or reasons behind it, and gingerly relegated Rani from any of the dog posts. There were others too who had valid reasons to dislike Romeo. Rekha had lost her unflinching companion and solace. It appeared to her that she had once more strayed into the turbulent open seas of her wearisome thinking losing her mooring once more. After Romeo happened to Suri's, Rekha felt Anjali's company more and more disdainful. Once the veil of melancholy started lifting from Anjali's side, she regained her merited fears that listening to Mrs. Sharma would bring back her gloom, and she ignored Rekha. Rather, she preferred to spend her afternoons with Romeo, as Romeo's evenings and nights were already booked with her son and husband respectively. When she was alone and found him to be quite a company in the long forlorn afternoons, it felt nice to be loved unconditionally and cared for. Her housekeeping and homemaking zeal took a new beat. It was a welcome change and respite from spending her noon listening to Rekha's woeful thoughts. This was very well read by Mrs. Sharma and she stopped coming to their house abruptly. She was deeply hurt and her resentment was more for Romeo than Anjali, understandably. Once while talking to Rani, Rekha blacked, confiding in Rani that she should get rid of the dog. Rekha expressed her animosity for the animal and her cruel wishful thinking of this dog to disappear, somehow. This resonated with Rani's deep desires. But Rani purposefully kept her dark intentions to herself. If someone was loved so much, hatred could come from many surreptitious quarters to balance life. Such are the laws of nature. Mornings were the best time for Romeo. He got to do so many wonderful things. Getting a warm bowl of milk and cookies was one of them. And to bark in playful justness at the milkman was another. Romeo loved to jump on his legs and occasionally humped his legs as a plain display of playfulness and attention-seeking. Once, at this act of sheer adorable naughtiness, 
Romeo accidentally tore his lungi. Hurry, the milkman gathered his lungi's torn end and angrily rolled his eyes, which encouraged Romeo to bark back in jest. But it was misunderstood as an impertinence. Hurry tried to shoo him away. Romeo found this too very amusing and barked at him and jumped in a rollicking manner again to earn some love. He found this quite encouraging and waited for the day when his charms would entice him eventually, and Hari would pick him up on his lap, or at least pat his fur. Every morning, Romeo waited for Milkman just to play with him, and loved the game of river and upward frightening of the Milkman. He was confident no one was beyond his love, but it was his misconception. Little did he realize that all this unsolicited playfulness caused Hari to start abhorring him and feeling quite flustered in the mornings. Unwittingly, Hari found himself in the ever-growing queue of people wishing for the dog to disappear. Then there was Devesh, Aryan's friend, next door, who was from a different school, a school for children with special needs. Under last year, Devesh had been studying in the same school as Aryan's. Over the last two years, he was not able to cope up with studies and slumped pathetically in all aspects, academics, sports, and social interaction. Caught in a model, on getting analysed by a counsellor, he was labelled as autistic. He was pulled out of that school and had to leave behind his few friends, one to be precise, and admitted to a special school. On the counsellor's recommendation, Devesh was bestowed with a dog to help build his social interactability as part of a therapeutic regimen. The dog he had was a Pomeranian, not quite cute and endearing as Romeo, which was a pedigreed retriever Labrador. More than that, the time he used to spend loitering with Aryan in the evenings and weekends in the nearby park was consumed by Romeo. Out of sheer childish envy, he wished this dog to die or get drowned, a negative emotion which he felt for the first time towards anyone, but a strong one nonetheless. Though his tender age and mentation precluded him from having any further vehemence, it was a lovely, cool November morning. Fresh and crisp air, heavy with fragrances from nearby rose bushes and parijar, night jasmine, deliciously scented the air, and the morning had a nip of love and warmth in the ambience. Mrs. and Mr. Suri woke up a little late, making full use of Sunday morning. They were interrupted by the doorbell, likely from Rani, for which she was yelled over from the bedroom by Anjali, asking her to wait for a few minutes in the lawn. Despite Vinod trying to pull her back to bed, Anjali rose to open the door for Rani and then went to make tea for herself and Vinod and feed the dog. With a wide swing, she opened the door and stretched her arms up and drew a deep breath, as if to inhale as much of the fresh air as possible. Strangely for her, from the corner of her eyes, she saw Rekha fumbling with the latch on the wicket gate on her lawn. She was apparently trying to sneak out stealthily. Anjali found this a little odd. Good morning, Rekha. What happened? She asked out of curiosity. Rekha almost startled and replied, Oh, it's nothing. My towel just sailed over from the clothesline yesterday evening over the balcony railing to your lawn and in a flustered moment tried to hide something in her underarms and hurried off to her house. Anjali shook her head and mused. She found it a little strange how her lawn had been capturing and gathering by some invisible magnetic pull neighbors things in the past 24 hours. She recalled last night at around 8 when she went out to last check the gate and lawn 
Before going to sleep, she caught Devesh closing the gate just before leaving. On asking, he replied, his football bounced over on their lawns while he was playing on the road. Meanwhile, she let Rani, who was already waiting for the last 15 minutes in the lawns, get inside the house. She glanced at Romeo's kennel. Romeo was still inside, and his bowl of evening supper from last night cleaned up, lying in front of his kennel. Anjali went inside and made a cup of tea for herself and sat reading the newspaper, allowing her husband, son and dog to sleep a little longer on a Sunday morning. However, she missed the usual early morning scratching and persuasions of Romeo on the door to let him in. After her tea, she prepared Romeo's breakfast and took it to his kennel. She set his bowl on the floor and tapped his kennel. No response. Again, she thumped, yet no movement. She peeked inside and saw Romeo lying in an awkward position. He was lying on his back with limbs stretched crazily like a dead bug and face hanging to one side, tongue lolling out, stiffened. He appeared still and unresponsive. It took her a few moments before she realized he was dead. She yelled for her husband who came hastily followed by Aryan and Rani. It was a tragedy at Suri's house of the utmost gravity. In the next few ensuing days, everyone in the house missed him immensely. Over the last few months, they had never thought of Romeo as an animal or pet, but rather a family member. He had earned family membership. For Vino, he was a friend, and for Aryan, a guardian. For Anjali, a partner during the long, dull afternoons. Nobody could fully understand the meaning of love unless one had owned a dog. It is being said that a dog could show you more honest affection with a flick of his tail than a man could gather through a lifetime of handshakes. They realized they would never get over the loss of Romeo. The only thing they could do was to learn to live with it and rebuild around the loss they had suffered. The grief was painfully real for them. Their neighbor would come to them for condolence and say things like, you should buy a new dog or what caused your dog to die. Unable to realize that these things were insensitive and cruel for the ones suffering. The Suri family was of the opinion, dogs come into our lives to teach us about love. They depart to teach us about loss. A new dog never replaces an old dog. Ten days later, Mr. and Mrs. Suri sit in their lawn after dinner, still feeling the vague resonance of void in their lives, trying to talk to keep their grief away, palpating and consoling each other. Anjali was sobbing unabashed and Vinod too found himself choked. He finally gathered himself and asked, So why do you think Romeo came to us and gave up on us so early? To help her ease the pent-up sadness. She didn't reply. She couldn't. She didn't have the answer, though for certain she wanted the answer to this question. She had not come to terms with the loss yet. Though she had her share of suspicions, she didn't want to ruminate on that. It was pointless and very painful to think about it. Images of Rekha, Rani and Devesh flipped in her mind, but it all seemed too fanciful and far-fetched, though not unwarranted. After all, they all were like her extended family, and families did not do such things with each other. She didn't even share her suspicions and fears with her husband purposefully, not to addle him up and add to his agony, though she knew it would be a piece of painful luggage to carry it single-handedly in her heart and especially when she knew it will bother her for long. I think we didn't deserve love as selfless and deep as Romeo's, she said in self-reproach. 
This was all she could comprehend from her flummoxed mind. It is amazing how much love and laughter can someone bring into our lives and make us understand so much without ever speaking a word. He filled an unfathomed emptiness in our lives we didn't know that existed. Hum, perhaps you are right. The last few months had been the happiest in our lives. I had a promotion at the job. Aryan had been more responsible, sincere and respectful towards his life. You two seem less frustrated and more cheerful, and we have rediscovered a long-lost spark. He truly was a godsend. I wonder how much time we will take to forget him. Forever, she replied without looking up, her voice reflecting all the ache of her heart. But promise me one thing. What? You will remain like this forever, cheerful and caring. This will be our only tribute to our Romeo. I will, he said in a tone reminiscent of I do, like the wedding vows, and life moved on, because it had to. It was said, time heals all wounds, but all the wounds leave some scars, and this one left on their side for certain. After a few days, they received the autopsy report, which Anjali opened with trembling hands. It read, Cause of death, asphyxiation, unnatural, perhaps from a small piece of bones found stuck in his throat. In a matter of poetic justification, Rekha backflipped on Rani and deposed her from her household duties. Even after dismissing Rani, she didn't find ease of heart, fearing Rani would disclose her sinister thoughts to Anjali, which she confided to her. With that, Rekha lived in a virtual hell of dread from there on and added an extra baggage to her already weary mind. Rani had her reasons for her jitters and out of sheer guilt, Less nervousness, betray her, began to avoid eye contact with members of the household. She couldn't work there for more than a few days out of her sheer remorse and self-reproach. She then had her share of difficulties in finding a decent home for work, as a rumor about Rani's possible implication in Romeo's demise spread in society. Devesh pitied Aryan for his loss and having got an inherent lack of emotional build-up, couldn't express his sympathies or guilt and developed an unreasonable paranoia for his talk. As for the milkman, Anjali stopped taking his services out of her surmise. She had conjectured him as one of the suspects. This was a price one had to pay when they adored love. Truly, for Romeo, it was difficult to live with so many wanting him to die.